Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing today? Let's all stand together. And let's say the Apostles' Creed together. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. It's great to have you with us this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark, Pastor Lathan, all the extended families, Pastor Bob are all in Florida this weekend uh, having a big family celebration down there. So uh, Pastor Keith and myself, I'm Pastor Joe. We're kind of subbing for those guys today. And uh, before we go any further, first of all, hi to Stevens Point and Appleton campuses. Good morning. Welcome, you guys. Glad you can make it and be here with us today, along with all of you who are joining us online. Got a special time for you this morning. Let's uh, hear from Pastor Mark this morning. He's actually got a little message for us before we go any further. Good morning, Celebration Church, and happy Memorial Day weekend, and greetings from Central Florida, where Deb and I are here uh, with our grandkids. Actually, the, the whole clan's here. Uh, let me explain. For those of you fairly new to Celebration Church and not quite sure of all the connections, let me explain very briefly. Uh, our son, Phil, married Pastor Lathan and Lynn's daughter, Kirsty, uh, And that's how we became connected and started working together. Uh, we're in-laws that actually like each other <laughs> unlike what many of you have to deal with but uh, uh, so that was great but then uh, Phil's best friend Bob Gustafson known to you affectionately as Pastor Bob uh, married Christie's sister so the best friends married sisters and so anyway so that's how the Gungers the Duncans and the Gustafsons are all connected hobbled together. Uh, we've never done this before, so this is the first time we're taking everybody. Uh, Deb and I, uh, Phil and Kirsty, Bob and Dana, and Lathan and Lynn, and all the grandkids, the whole gaggle, the whole, the whole cult, <laughs> as I refer to it. And uh, we're taking them for a week, the whole family together, here in Orlando to Disney. And uh, we're staying at this house. If, if you couldn't tell, from the uh, from the background, this would be the uh, little girl's room, okay, uh, with all the uh, crazy Disney stuff all over the walls. This is where the girls will be staying and get a severe overdose of of Disney for the week. The boys' room is all in Star Wars and stuff like that, and so it's kind of fun. We're just, we're just gonna have a blast doing this and. Chillaxin' for the week. We'll be back again, of course, next Sunday to continue on with all of you. Uh, now, this morning, uh, Pastor uh, Joe is going to be 
sharing with you. And we are welcoming back all of our kids from uh, our T1 program. Uh, these are the ones that were spent the last several months, uh, most of them in Africa, another in Central uh, America, and have spent uh, three months over there ministering and helping and, and learning to give back, all part of our T1 program, our Transition 1 program, where these kids take a year off, before it's a gap year, before they go, right after, right after high school, before they go to college, they take one year off, which is a great thing to do. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all the stuff everybody's chasing will be blessed into your life. So slow down a bit. You don't need to run off and get your degree tomorrow. For heaven's sake, slow down. Put God first in your life. Do some growing, maturing. It's a great program where we work with everybody, show them about how to do life, and then we send them over to serve for three months in a, one of these missions environments and really get a chance to see what the rest of the world actually has to deal with. And it's a life-changing experience. And some of you young people who are thinking about maybe doing this program, talk to these guys that are coming back, that we're welcoming back. Ask them, what was it like? How, what did they think? You'll find most of them would not trade it for the world. It's, it's a life-changing experience that will be with them for the rest of their life and really help them to mature and, and grow in their faith and get them off on a great start uh, for the rest of their life. So uh, I hope uh, many of you coming up looking in the next year or two to be graduating from high school to choose to take the one year off and uh, do the transition one program with us talk to these kids see what it's like uh, and connect with them anyway welcome to you guys glad to have you back from your trip and uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you all uh, next Sunday uh, but in the meanwhile this morning let's celebrate God's Word together and open your heart and receive from Pastor Joe we'll see you guys next week bye Pastor Mark Awesome. Uh, this morning, uh, I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, the fact that we are graduating these six wonderful students and what's ahead for them in life and then kind of dovetail that into what's ahead for the rest of us as well because it all applies. It's from the scriptures. And I thought we would talk this morning about being strangers in a strange land. Uh, and I'm taking uh, this verse from Exodus chapter 2, verse 21. It starts like this. Moses agreed to stay with the man, meaning his father-in-law Jethro, who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Well, as Pastor Mark uh, said we are celebrating the graduation of our transition one students they have completed their course of study with us here uh, finished uh, and then uh, finished their mission service opportunity in South Africa and Guatemala uh, I'll tell you they have been an incredible source of blessing everywhere that they have served and we are proud to present them to you this morning as our 2017 graduating class. Welcome home, you guys, and we are so glad and proud of you. Let's have a big hand for these guys this morning. Huh? <laughs> Sitting over here. Now, as uh, Pastor Mark shared, 
Uh, this is a gap year school, one year where se graduating senior high school kids uh, take off and spend a year with us, uh, growing deeper in their faith and learning life skills. Uh, it is available, by the way, to anyone uh, ages 18 to 23. Today we have an info table out in the lobby if you'd like to visit it, pick up some literature, you're welcome to do that. I also want to mention that uh, we could use some financial help at Transition One for our scholarship fund, and if you feel led to give to that, we would appreciate a donation, and that would go, uh, there's information about that on the table as well, about our scholarship fund for incoming students next year. And then finally, we have students coming in this coming fall from many different places, and quite a few more students uh, this coming fall than we had this year. As a result, we got a, one young man from Alaska and somebody else from Los Angeles and somebody from out in the Caribbean islands, a, a young lady. So, I mean, it's this, they're coming in from all over the place. They need host homes here in Green Bay. If you would like to volunteer your house as a host home for a young student for the six months that they are with us, we would appreciate that much. There are applications, host home applications at the table as well. All right, so T1 students, graduates, graduates, let's take a moment and look at what is ahead for you. The most important thing being, how do I keep my focus on God as I move ahead today? Well, Stranger in a Strange Land is a science fiction novel is written by Robert Heinlein in 1961, and it tells the story of Valentine Michael Smith, who is a human who comes back to Earth in early adulthood after he was born on the planet Mars and raised by Martians. And the novel explores his interaction with and eventual transformation of planet Earth and the culture here at that time. He is an earthling raised on Mars and then returns to Earth. But when he comes back, he discovers that he has supernatural powers that nobody else on Earth has. He becomes a foreigner, a stranger in his own world. He is that different now. Peter, the apostle, wrote this to the church. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so we're looking at what's ahead in the coming months and years. What is it like for a Christ-focused adult filled with the Spirit of God, forgiven, living in a world full of every kind of sin. And this is a theme that occurs over and over in the Bible. And Transition One students, we talked a lot about this in our classes. When you identify as a believer in Christ, you immediately take on the personality, the flavor, the spiritual fragrance, and the influence of a human being who seems completely out of place among other human beings. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Another translation says anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. 
Other translations use the phrase new creature or new creation. And we could even say that we become a whole new species of human being redesigned by God from the inside out. You are a very different kind of human being now. You don't really look different for the most part, but there is something about the new creature in Christ that to the earthlings here is otherworldly about you. You become a stranger here. And the longer you are here, the stranger this earth becomes. So Moses, he named his first son Gershom, which means foreigner, or I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. When Gershom was born, Moses was living in the land of the Midianites. He had escaped to Midian in order to get away from the Pharaoh of Egypt because he had murdered an Egyptian man. He stayed in Midian, which was located in what we now know as southwestern Iran, and uh, he was a nomad shepherd there for 40 years, serving his father-in-law, Jethro. Uh, it is no wonder that he named his first son Gershom. Moses was no Midianite. He was a Hebrew. His ancestors were, <coughs> excuse me, were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the great patriarchs of the Hebrew people, men who had settled and populated Canaan, which was far to the west of Midian, near the Mediterranean Sea, and the land that God had promised Israel. But look at what had happened. Israel no longer occupied Canaan. Far to the west of Midian, the land that God had promised, there was no Israel there. They were now captives and slaves in Egypt. Canaan bore not one trace of Hebrew culture, nor did its people worship the God of Abraham. And uh, to make matters more hopeless, here's Moses, the deliverer of Israel, living for decades in obscurity, hundreds of miles from Canaan and hundreds of miles from his people, still captive in Egypt. It was a hopeless, helpless situation. But Gershom, is the beginning of hope. Something reminded Moses that even though he was living in Midian, he didn't belong in Midian. He knew deep inside he was different and that there was a different plan for him. Gershom's name, foreigner, testifies to what Moses knew in his heart. I don't belong here. Every Christian believer is a stranger in a strange land. Every one of us. Every one of us could be called Gershom. Peter, as we just read, describes believers as strangers and foreigners on earth. The book of Hebrews tells us that we self-describe as foreigners. Hebrews 11, people who say such things, that they are strangers in a strange land, show that they are looking for a country of their own. We're not home here. You know, there is great difficulty that comes with being a foreigner. We do identify that way, but that also means that life among those who feel at home in this world is going to be filled with trials and temptations. There's us and there's them. We're the foreigners. They're perfectly at home here. It causes friction. We don't speak the same language. We don't enjoy the same attractions. We don't feel or think or behave the same. We stand out kind of like American tourists in Tokyo or Paris or London. You know, we always, Americans always stand out in those places. 
And as a foreigner, you find yourself trying to relate to a population that has no idea who you are or why you are here. With foreigner status come certain problems. Moses lived in fear for his life among a tribe of people who were idol worshipers and who would eventually become the arch enemies of Israel. It was a humbling experience for him to be there. His temper got him in trouble in Egypt and that resulted in his flight to Midian and 40 years in the desert. A very humbling time for him. Once he returned to Egypt in order to lead Israel out of captivity, even there he was mocked and threatened by Pharaoh, humbling. Once he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and they entered the Sinai wilderness, the Israelites were constantly rising up against him, questioning his authority, challenging him. Again, a humbling experience for this man. You have to imagine the city the size of Chicago angry with you, all of them at the same time, wanting to stone you to death. I mean, it was just like that to him. And it makes you start to second-guess yourself and your leadership and your calling. It's a humbling experience. Even before Moses, there was Moses' ancestor, Joseph, the beloved youngest son of Jacob. Joseph, while he was with Jacob in Canaan, knew clearly that he was the favored son. He showed an extraordinary lack of self-awareness because he was always flaunting his status in front of his other brothers. Matter of fact, he even tattled on his brothers to Jacob, seeking to enhance his status as the preferred son of the family. Genesis 39 says, Joseph brought their father a bad report about them. The indication is this was an ongoing practice of Joseph's. He went behind his brother's back in order to make himself look good in the father's eyes. And then, to add fuel to the fire, Joseph has this dream. And he says to his brothers, it's, it's amazing that he actually goes to the brothers and tells them this dream, but he does it. And he says, hey guys, listen to this dream. <clears throat> we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf, or bundle, rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. I mean, who does that? <laughs> Guys, listen, I dreamed about you, and you're all going to bow down to me. Isn't that cool? You know? No, it wasn't cool. Joseph, you know you already have preferred status. You know that your brothers are envious. They don't like you. They intensely don't like you. What would cause you to share this dream to the very brothers that hate your guts? Why are you doing this? It was just too much. They waited for the opportunity. They captured Joseph in the wilderness away from their father and they sold him to Midianite nomads. They faked his death. They reported back to Jacob that Joseph had been killed and eaten by a lion in the wilderness and Joseph was taken to Egypt to be sold as a slave. But that wasn't the end of Joseph's trials. He was then falsely accused of adultery with the wife of a high-ranking Egyptian official and thrown into prison to await his death sentence. A humbling experience for this man. You see, the instruments of Joseph's breaking 
were envy by his brothers and abandonment and exile by his brothers plus defamation and calumny in in Egypt. It was really bad and it was really humbling for him. And the same thing goes for Daniel, the prophet, a brilliant young man, full of God's grace in spite of his surroundings, who remained fully committed to worshiping only the God of Israel in the midst of absolute paganism under Nebuchadnezzar, the king in Babylon. Later, underneath the Persian king, Darius, Daniel refused to worship the statue of Darius, and we know that resulted in Daniel's being fed to the lions. And he survived by a miracle, and Darius was astonished, and he issued this decree in Daniel's honor. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, he endures forever, his kingdom will not be destroyed, and his dominion will never end. Okay, so we see from this, Daniel's compass was set. He knew who he worshiped in spite of his surroundings, and he never wavered from that, and then was rewarded by this decree from Darius. Well, the lessons that we learn from Daniel, living in a foreign culture as a foreigner, Moses and Joseph also, strangers in a strange land, these are very humbling, challenging lessons. Uh, Living in a world that is separated from God means that we are often misunderstood and sometimes even hated. Why is this? It is because people, being who they are, automatically suspect the person who is different, the person who excels where they fail, the person who knows what he wants, whereas everyone else is living with no plan and no hope. The person on whom God shows favor is always, always going to be the stranger in the strange land. These circumstances are going to be humbling to the point where the stranger has no other resource except vindication from God. The question then is, am I okay with that? Am I going to be cool with that? Because that's life here for the Christian. Jesus said to his disciples, guys, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. He promised them not one day of easy living. He did promise them that they would be hated, hunted, hurt, harassed, hampered, humiliated. He promised them only one comfort. I will be with you even to the end of the age. Imagine that, Transition One students. You are taking your place in the world among family and friends and co-workers and you're staying close to God in your personal life. You're working hard because of your godly integrity. You're manifesting patience and mercy and honesty in the workplace and at home. And for that and because of your connection to Christ, there will be times when it seems like your life is falling apart and you have not one friend in the world who understands you. The wolves seem to be gathering. Life suddenly becomes very intense and not much fun. And remember these verses, 2 Corinthians 2, Paul the Apostle writes, Thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphant procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God 
the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and for those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. And to the other, an aroma that brings life. In other words, everywhere that you go from now on, you will be giving off an aroma. For those of you who, uh, uh, the, that encounter who are already believers, the people that you know who are already believers, that pleasing aroma of Jesus Christ. And then for those who are not believers, a certain scent about you that reminds them of death and doom. Ironically, <laughs> you won't have to say a word. Your smell will give you away because your aroma will permeate everything you do and everywhere you go. Isn't that great news, believers? You're giving off an aroma everywhere you go, whether you like it or not. Pastor Mark and I, along with many others, hundreds, a hundred or so other fellow believers, uh, I just want to give you this example of how that works. Uh, we, we got to Las Vegas uh, in order to share the gospel with people on the streets, and we invited them to our meetings every night. It only took about a week. Uh, we began to get whisked off the streets in front of the casinos, placed in police vans and squad cars, and placed in jail. Then they would bring us in front of the judge. They would accuse us of disturbing the peace and trespassing on public property, and the judge, of course, would laugh at all of the charges because they were ridiculous, turn us loose. We'd go right back out to the sidewalks in front of the casinos. <laughs> and eventually... Uh, the police chief in Las Vegas grew very frustrated. He was powerless to stop us. I mean, we were like a pack of roaches. We just kept coming back in spite of the exterminator, you know. And eventually, the police chief contacted us personally. And he called a couple of our guys into his office and he said, I, I know why you're here. I know why you're here. I know you have come to overrun this city. I know that you got hundreds on the streets <clears throat> and that you have 4,000 more of you on the outskirts of our city ready to invade, <laughs> but you're not taking my city. You better reel it in while you have a chance. <laughs> we had the poor guy scared to death. He was afraid for his city. God bless him, but there were only 100 of us. <laughs> Such was the strength of our aroma in Las Vegas. They sensed us in their city. Their fear was palpable. They had encountered a group of people, strangers in a strange land, very strange land, Las Vegas, who cared not one bit whether we went to jail or whether we were misrepresented in the press or were falsely accused. We just didn't care. We were there because our self-identity was in Christ. Our aroma reminded the city that there is more to life than bread and circuses. And all we had to do was stand on a street corner, smile at people, and tell them that God loved them very much. Transition one, and everybody else listening today, as believers in Jesus Christ, be aware there will come times when you realize that you are not exactly welcome here. This does not give you license, however, to be conceited or arrogant or obnoxious in Jesus' name. It's not what I mean. 
But you are going to discover through the responses and attitudes of other people, whether they're family, friends, or coworkers, you just don't fit. In the end, we are strangers in a strange land. We follow the counsel of Peter the Apostle, live out your time as foreigners, meaning during your remaining time on earth, keep in mind that you now belong to a different family. You're a different bloodline. You have a different father. You have a whole new genetic makeup with all of its new codes and tendencies and abilities. Live out your time as foreigners. Live like Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Jacob, Moses, and everyone else who followed in the footsteps of Jesus. Hebrews 11 says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And here's, but there's an incredible flip side to all of this, though. You actually do belong. You are a part of a family. You do fit. You matter. And every nuanced aspect of your personality perfectly fits into your new family. And so, find your fit. Let God show you your place at the table. Stay close to him, focused on him and his nonstop love for you. You used to be a stranger to God, but now, in Christ, according to Ephesians 2, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Isn't it strange? With one breath, the New Testament calls us foreigners and strangers and aliens, and the next breath it says, but here's the good news. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're just, you've just been planted in a new family. T1. Gabby and McKenna and Kayla, Maya, Bryce, Gwen, do not forget who you are. Stay close to Jesus in the coming years. We've taught you how to do it, and now it's going to be up to you to follow through. How to keep your focus? One day at a time. Each day, make God your primary focus, and remember who you are and who you represent and you guys, you will shine as bright, beautiful lights in the midst of a very, very dark generation. Would you please join me this morning uh, in welcoming our Transition One graduates to the stage? And as they come up, we have a couple of videos to show from overseas where they served the Lord. Hi, Miss Kayla. Miss Kayla, um, I wish you could come back and help us with craft in school. Miss Kayla, thank you that you played outside with us. Hi, Miss Kayla, I miss you. Hi, Miss Kayla, I miss Hey, Transition 1, 
Congratulations on your incredible graduation. What an amazing journey it has been to be part of your lives for a very brief time. May God continue to reveal the purpose that He has for every one of your lives. We loved having you here. Uh, we can't believe it's been a week already that you, or just under a week that you've gone. Uh, we're missing you. Oh, we're missing you so much. And um, yeah, we're just so blessed to have you, have had you guys around. We're praying for you. We know that God is going to use you in an incredible way. Uh, as we said, you've been the most amazing witness for Transition One, uh, for Celebration Church, uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Joe, um, and the rest of the Transition One team. You have done a great job. And uh, those uh, students are just amazing they've blessed us and we know that they're going to be a blessing to others congratulations we love you guys we are sure that we will hold you in our prayers and do pray for us we wish you all the best for your future sure see you cheers. soon cheers hey awesome uh, one thing I want to point out that uh, you know when you're doing a school like this you don't do it alone and uh, I have had an incredible assistant director with me this year, Elizabeth Schomer, and, uh, and she has just worked so well and worked hard and long hours to make sure the school is a success. And so, Elizabeth, we want to give you kind of this little thank you, too, as well, for helping me out. And uh, thank you so much for your help this year. Bryce, we, we made these plaques for each one of the students based on some wonderful words that we felt we came up with that describe each one of the students. And so as we give these plaques to them, we just want you to know how incredible these guys were uh, with us this year and what God has put in their lives. And so for Bryce, the word that we came up with for him is perceptive. And the scripture says, Matthew 13, blessed are your eyes because they see. Congratulations, Bryce. For Gabriella, adaptive. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4. Gabriella, congratulations. And for Gwen, her word is cornerstone. You are standing firm in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 3.8. Congratulations, Gwen. For Kayla, our Guatemala soldier, valiant Kayla, be strong and courageous, Joshua 1.6. Congratulations, Kayla. Maya, her word is pioneer. We can certainly do it, says Numbers 13.30, and she had that attitude throughout the school. God bless you, Maya. And finally, McKenna, Life-giving, you have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Philemon 1.7. Thank you. Congratulations. I'm going to ask Pastor Keith if he would please come up. We're going to say a prayer over these guys before we dismiss them. Would you join us? Father, we love you and praise you for what you have done in the lives of these students. What a blessing they have been to us while they've been here with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for their, uh, the help and the energy and the hard work they've put into this. And God, now we ask that those seeds that have been planted in their hearts will grow and bring forth great fruit in the future. Bless them on their journeys. Continue to be with them every day of their lives. 
Fill them with your spirit. Guide them. Show them clearly what the next step is for each one of them. Keep them safe and watch over them throughout their days. Lord, we know they're going to be a great blessing because, God, you are with them. And so we commit them into your hands now, Father, in, the Jesus, in Jesus' name. And we trust you, Lord, to work wonderfully in their lives and use them in a great way. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you.